Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome, welcome, welcome into another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I am your host, Dan Kenobi, and we have a fun one planned for you today. Joining us on the show, ESPN's Mark Kriegel, who'll catch you up to speed on the return of Tyson Fury. Of course, Tyson Fury taking on Tom Schwartz this upcoming weekend in Las Vegas for Tyson Fury. It's his first fight under the top-ranked banner, his first fight on ESPN+. Plus. Of course, a lot of things going on in the heavyweight division. Some juicy rumors in our In Case You Missed It segment uh, with Anthony Joshua and an unconventional fight date here in New York. And of course, we have Eddie Hearn reads some mean tweets. You're going to enjoy that one uh, very much. But we have to start off the show with what we saw this past weekend at Madison Square Garden. No, not Andy Reid's stoppage of Anthony Joshua. Triple G return. He stepped into the ring for the first time in 266 days. Standing across from him was the man from Toronto, Steve Rolls, and it was all Triple G in this one. Rolls had his, had his moments, though. Let's not, not get it twisted here. He landed a big shot there in the second round. Many say that he won the second round, but this fight was to see what Triple G had. I thought that he had a little bit more movement. I thought he had a good rhythm going. Uh, he had a good jab. He also went to the body more. He landed 16 body punches uh, in just four rounds. He only landed 14 body punches in 24 uh, with Canelo. Of course, once the fight was over, all things uh, turned to Canelo at the press conference. I was actually at the press conference. I was able to get a question in uh, for Triple G. Some say it was the best moment of the press conference. Here it is. I don't know if you saw this tweet. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya tweeted after the fight. Nice with the thumbs up emoji. A comeback win. Now fight a real fighter. Win a belt. And I'll consider doing a third fight. Hashtag Canelo is your boss. I want to see your thoughts on that. <laughs> he talks so much. And I'm thinking about for said Oscar. Not really interested in what Oscar is doing, what Oscar is doing, uh, what Oscar is saying. I'm not really interested in that at all. I don't really like uh, you know following men. You know, not about following men at all. So safe to say, you're not going to tweet anything back. What do you think I should write him back? Maybe say I'm my own boss. You're smart guy. What would you think? I would probably say something back. Maybe hey, I'm my own boss. Come on, he doesn't know me. Again. Yeah, so I had some fun uh, with, with Triple G. There was a moment there where he looked through my soul. I think it was when I brought up the hashtag, Canelo is your boss. Uh, it was you know, a lighthearted moment, and uh, I really enjoyed going to press conferences and uh, asking all those questions for you, uh, the fans at home. But obviously, everything uh, you know, gearing up now, banging the drum for that, that, that third fight between Canelo uh, and, and Triple G. I know the zone wants it. John Skipper wants it. You know, And think about it. Between that third fight between Triple G and Canelo... In the Joshua Ruiz fight 
on the zone that's you know maybe three month span where they can get a whole new subscriber base in there and get that going but here we go our first interview of the show here's mark kriegel our next interview on inside boxing live is brought to you by jack doyle's restaurant and bar jack doyle's restaurant and bar located just a few steps away from madison square garden and Times square go into jack doyle's for all your entertainment needs from happy hours to birthday parties to private events jack doyle's has you covered once again that's jack doyle's restaurant and bar located on 240 west 35th street our next guest you can watch on ESPN telecast of Top Ranked Boxing. You can read his work on ESPN.com. He's the award-winning, best-selling author. Mr. Mark Kriegel, he joins us right now on Inside Boxing Live. Tyson Fury Fight Week, and I read that he's never been to Las Vegas, which is a little bit scary and really hard to believe as well, Mark. Never been there, vowed as a child. Never to go there, never to fight there. Um, I'm never to go there until he was fighting, actually. So this is this is his uh, not just his first fight in Vegas, but his his maiden voyage as well. Hmm. Um, we spoke uh, last week, and uh, he seems like the like the perfect character for Vegas. You know, he he's definitely charismatic. Um, he's definitely a showman, but. Um, to me, you know, Vegas is built on on playing the odds. That's what, you know, made the, the mob rich and the corporations rich after the mob. And Tyson is like maybe the least probable guy I've ever met. I mean, not that many guys fight for the title after losing, you know, 150 or so pounds. Uh, so <laughs> I was uh, kind of taken with him. Yeah, not to mention, you know, the, the demons and the, the well-documented issues with, you know, depression, anxiety, and drugs to, to, to come back. A lot of people had him beating Deontay. That's a trifecta right, right there. Depression, anxiety, and drugs, yeah. That's a big one. And he came back from it. Many had him beating Deontay Wilder uh, to get up off the canvas twice. And now here, here he is with top rank. Uh, you know, we might get that rematch with Deontay Wilder. They haven't, uh, the top rank side hasn't confirmed it. But, you know, Deontay Wilder has said so. But, you know, talking to, to Tyson Fury, and you're going to have a three-part series, uh, look for that on SportsCenter as we enter into Tyson Fury uh, fight week. You know, what are you, uh, you know, getting from, from Tyson Fury? What are you, his mindset right now? Do you feel like he's in a good place? I think he's in the best place he's probably ever been. Let me, let me go back on a, on a couple things you said there. I mean, um, you said that that's the big one. Was it depression, anxiety, and, and uh, drugs? Depression, anxiety. It's actually like a big three. Mm -hmm. And what he told me was that after he beat Klitschko, this is what he sort of bred to do. Um, the, the bottom fell out, um, and the idea that he's back here is a extraordinarily improbable. Or B, I think that he's back here in a in a better place than he's ever been. Um, he's he's the A side. I, I think that he surprised a lot of people with how he did against Wilder, and he's in a much better place than he was even for certainly for the Wilder fight. Um, his own dad told him not to take the Wilder fight. His original plan, what he told me, the original plan was to come back against you know 
uh, four bums, his words, not mine. And he finished with two of them, and then he signed for Wilder. By the way, I think that that Wilder fight is, as long as Wilder can get past Ortiz and Fury can get past Tom Schwartz, which he definitely should this coming Saturday night, that that fight is on. Um, But right now, Fury feels he's a lot better fighter than the guy who got up against Wilder. Yeah, I I can buy that. In that that moment, the the whole division changed. The, the moment that he, the moment that he gets up, um, the the moment. Hold on a sec, Mickey, get away from the door. The, my dog, Mickey. Mickey. The mo- yeah, the Mickey is uh, Mickey's my dog. Nice. He's uh, he's protecting me. There you go. The, the moment he gets up, it reconfigures the the, the division. Yeah, and not only um, not only him getting up there too. The the feels like the division is being reconfigured. Uh, on a monthly basis after we saw last week with Andy Ruiz and Anthony Joshua. And I know what the heavyweight division means to you, you know, covering going back to, I think you said it was your first fight that you covered was Riddick Bowe against Evander Holyfield in 1992. Oh, Holyfield, yeah. yeah, so I know what the heavyweight division means to you, and I know, uh, you know, what it means to boxing. And I feel like right now, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this, what, what we saw with Andy Ruiz, uh, you know, what we saw with Deontay Wilder with, with his knockout, you know, safe to say, you know, where do you have the division right now? And it's always going to be compared uh, to those golden years in the in the 90s. I mean, look, it, it, oh, it's... In the 90s, we were saying the 90s were nothing. The golden years were the 70s. Right. You know, it was, and so I think there's this, no sport depends more heavily on its own sense of nostalgia uh, than boxing. If if these guys, listen, if they fight each other, it'll be a golden age. If they don't, it'll suck. Right now, it looks like they actually might fight each other. And two things change this. Number one, um, the way that Fury fought Wilder. Number two, the upset victory over Joshua Ruiz. So that, that, that puts a lot of things into play. It makes Joshua's comeback fight, whether it's at the Garden or over in England, it makes it a very dramatic fight. It was, it was almost like a gift. I, I don't think that Fury was likely to fight Joshua anytime soon. What was more likely was him to fight Wilder, despite the bad blood between uh, um, Top Rank and, and the PBC. There is no bad blood, or, or very little left, um, between Disney and Fox. And remember, each of these fighters has essentially a, a corporate sponsor who wants this to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that the landscape has changed for... Fury since since the first fight. As I was saying before, when he came back, his own family told him, you're not ready. You're going to get knocked out. His dad told him he was going to get knocked out. They didn't speak for seven weeks. And his, his dad, as you know, was a fighter himself. Um, he says, you're not ready. Wilder won't beat you, but you're going to beat yourself. And we, we know we know what happened. Um, and in in getting up, um, it was really the single most dramatic moment I've seen, and maybe since since uh, former knocked out more. But um, he's much stronger now. You know, he, he's had more time. He's settled into his, his body. He's kept the weight off. 
Um, I think he feels incentivized. He feels that, that this title or a, a real reign is, is possible. When he talks of himself as, as a lineal champ, I don't, I don't think he's just BSing. He, he's, he thinks of himself in that way. He feels that he belongs in a way that he didn't um, when in, in December of, of 18, when, yeah. when a lot of people thought he was cashing out. Yeah, and I feel like Tyson Fury is a guy that he needs to motivate himself. You know, you know, the plan, like you said, was him for him to fight four bums, as he said. When he got past those 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 two tune-up fights, and maybe he was like, you know what, I can't get up anymore for another one of these guys where I'm superior. I have to mentally get up for a big fight, and even if his own family, like you said, his dad telling him that he's not going to win, maybe that's everything he needed. You know, same reason why he's constantly telling everyone that he's the lineal champ. These are little mind games that I feel like he plays with himself uh, to motivate him. Yeah, he's also the first guy. You know, he he wins all the press conferences. I actually think that means something. And, and, and with him and – what's the difference between Wilder and Joshua? Who would you rather fight? And Wilder, of course, because Wilder was more willing. But <clears throat> Wilder makes a better, a better partner, a better promotional partner. Uh, there, there's, something, there's something there. Joshua, you know, he says is uh, – and, and by the way, last week's experience in New York did nothing to disprove this. Joshua's stiff and boring. Um, and uninspired, and I, I you know, there's, there's, I never got the, I never got a sense of passion from Joshua. And I've heard all the excuses that he may or may not have gotten hit in sparring. As I was talking with his dad, so what? When Tyson was the baddest man on the planet, he got cracked in sparring. Right. Um, and then he didn't, he didn't remember anything after the fourth round again. So what? I remember Tyson saying he didn't remember anything after Holyfield hit him in the first fight. Did that diminish Holyfield's knockout? No. Um, you have another player on this on this scene, which who's, who's Ruiz, who f- certainly for an American audience is easier to to empathize with and less remote than than Anthony than Anthony Joshua. The other thing that's interesting in the, in the lead up to this stuff is, to my mind, Wilder's taking a sort of um, like a, a, a heel turn. Um, and you know this whole this whole talk about I want a body, it's like that's <laughs> terrible, man. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like come on, stop it. You, you don't, you don't. I, the the most beautiful moment I've ever had as a reporter, doing a piece on Wilder. Is his daughter with spina bifida, and at the end of the piece, the daughter comes up to us and says, "You want to see me do a cartwheel?" She gets right up in the ring, does a cartwheel. It's, like you just wanted to cry. So, so it was a moment of great beauty. I, I really have a great affection and respect for Wilder, but I don't know who this I want a body guy is. That's that's the, that, yeah. That's when Wilder turns into a different person. That's on Fight Week. If you take a look, you know all his the controversial things he says. You know, to this day, that outburst that he had. Fight week. You know, look back at the I want a body on the record. I was right next to him when he said that. Fight week. He walks, you know, when he walked into that gym, he had his daughter in his arms. Uh, I don't know if it's the same daughter, but he had his his, his child in his arms when he entered Gleason's gym. Uh, he gets all worked mm-hmm. up. Once the media gets in front of him, next thing he's talking about getting a body on his record. I mean, every fighter has to, to, to you know, turn into this persona. Even Tyson Fury does it. It seems like the only guy that doesn't do it. Uh, is Anthony mm-hmm. Joshua, but I think that for Dante Wilder, he just morphs into this, into this this heel, like you said, and it's only you know two or three days before the biggest fights of his life. No, he, he you know what? I, I've spoken to him in between 
fights and, and he says he's he, he dwells on he dwells on it a lot I, I think I'm gonna kill somebody in the ring or I hope I don't or I hope it's been going on this, this whole talk of killing someone in the ring has been going on for a long long time he's never made it explicit I think until I guess I think it was the last fight where he said I, I want a body yeah he on, said it right at Gleason's gym and it, and it blew um, up no, but I think it was. I think it was. Before, he, he said that last year as well. Yeah, right, right. But it wasn't. Um, it wasn't on a camera. It wasn't. You know, he right. said it on in print. It wasn't like how he saw it on SportsCenter with him actually looking into a camera and saying it. Right, but like, the, I, I asked Fury about this, and there's three ways to go. Either, you know, you're trying to make your opponent scared, which means probably you're scared yourself in some place. B, you're doing it. Um, because you mean it, which is sick, and C, you're doing it to promote the fight and build a gate, which is slightly less sick but still sick. Um, Fury thinks it's the latter. He thinks it's for promotion. He's trying to get attention. You know, Fury knows a lot of really tough guys. <laughs> never, I've never heard fighters or, or tough guys say that. Um, so he thinks he's just, um, in, in Tyson's words, he's become a media whore. Um, and again, they have this great back and forth that it will not be an unentertaining of uh, promotion. But the, in a way, don't you think Tyson Fury is a media whore as well? I think all fighters have to be. I mean, he, he went with, with top rank in order to, to get more money and get more visibility here in the States. Maybe he's not saying things as controversial as I want a body on my record. But in some ways, you know, he's out in front of, of cameras every chance he gets as well. Well, I mean, I, I think that's different than being a media whore. If, if you want to get over in in the job, if, if you want to truly succeed as heavyweight champion of the world, not a guy who holds a belt, but but recognized as, oh, that's the champ, as, as the baddest man, however you want to parse it, then you do need some exposure. And the mm -hmm. question, and, and, and you do have a persona, and the question is what kind of persona is that? I mean, I'm, I remember people disliking Holyfield, thought he was a placeholder, until he, again, until he lost to Bo, to Bo, that's when he became, you know, noble. In defeat, he became noble in the public's mind. That, that's when it first became clear how much of a warrior he was. I mean, you, you have great champions like, like Larry Holmes, who didn't have much of a persona, and, and without question, his career suffered for it. Um, so he, he's very conscious of filling this big role. Is that making him a, a media whore? I, I would, I, I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't put it like that, but, um, it's part of why he got the money. Right. Uh, the other part is that, you know, top rank, top rank had a pile of money that was designated for Golovkin. And when Golovkin passed, they basically, they cut a deal with Fury. Um, and I, I, I would say, I, I do think at this point that the, the money was better spent on Fury than it would have been on, on Golovkin. Yeah, absolutely. Basically coming off yeah. two losses, a loss and a half, however right. you want to characterize it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting that you bring up, uh, you know, the fans' perception of who's the man right now in the heavyweight division because, you know, equal the guys all have equal skill or, you know, it's arguable, but... You know, it's funny because, you know, Deontay Wilder wants to be that guy. And, uh, you know, Tyson Fury certainly wants to be that guy. Anthony Joshua had the bulk of the belts. Then in comes Andy Ruiz, who I think right now 
is the face of boxing. As crazy as that sounds, I'm getting asked nonstop. I'm getting stop. I'm getting asked nonstop about Andy Ruiz. He's everywhere. You post a, uh, an interview with him, it blows up. I've never seen anything like this. Obviously, you've covered the sport longer than I have. Mm-hmm. The current face of boxing, I should say, but you've covered the sport longer th- than I have. Have you ever seen anything like this? And it's just funny to me that uh, you know this three-headed monster that was Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, all jockeying for popularity, all jockeying for who's the best. In comes Andy Ruiz, who you know, if, if you ever talk to him, you know, he's not going to say anything mm-hmm. controversial. He's not going to say anything crazy. He just going to go in there and and pull off one of the greatest upsets. It's a new face uh, in the heavyweight division. Yes, I have seen things like this. I think if you actually go back and look at the history of the division, the huge upset is not the exception, but the rule. It happens once or twice every decade. Oliver McCall, Buster Douglas, Hasim Rahman, uh, Lehman Brewster, it happens. Absolutely. And usually it's, it's guys that the, the general public has never, ever heard of. And they go, oh, my God. <laughs> Who is this guy? Well, were any of those and, guys 270 pounds, though? No, and I, I, that's the that's the, the the sort of the difference with right. Andy Ruiz. It's like, oh, the fat guy won, mm-hmm. and um, and he and he went up against the guy who looked like a superhero. So that makes him a a sympathetic figure, an interesting figure from from the jump. He's a well schooled fighter. He's not a he's not a big hitter. He's not a power guy. He's a well-schooled fighter. He's a guy who's been a fighter all his life, unlike Joshua, unlike Wilder, but like Fury. So my, my question would be, who do you, you know, you've seen the game. Who do you think is most likely, who's, who's the best? Who do you go with based on, let's say, we have a new big three? I mean, it's... Or, or, or with Joshua, who do you like among those four? I mean, no, it changes like on a, on a monthly basis. I mean, Fury, I feel like, has the most sustainable skills. You know, he doesn't get hit. Yeah. He has, he has the most sustainable skills. Uh, Wilder has the biggest punch, the equalizer. Uh, you know, I feel the biggest like... biggest punch I ever saw, by the way. Right. Biggest, Dan, biggest... I've never seen a guy, Tyson, whoever, um, Foreman, uh, Shavers... Maybe shavers, but it's a different kind of power. This guy can hit you like with his wrist at a crazy angle, and all of a sudden it's like you've been, you know, shot out of a cannon. I know. I know. It's a weird power. I've never seen anything right. like it. He's not a giant guy. No, and Ruiz might be have the best fighting spirit out of all those guys, and Joshua has the looks and the pedigree, the Olympic pedigree. Mm-hmm. So it's certainly very interesting. So I don't, I couldn't even tell you uh, how to, you know, rearrange that order there. But I'll tell you what, it is right. compelling. I mean, if boxing matters, but here's the thing: all of a sudden. So here's this guy who was crazy, getting high, he was depressed. Two years ago, he was, he was a mess. And right now, he looks like, the, as you said, the most sustainable heavyweight of all. That's really interesting to me. It's really, really interesting to me. Because, if, I mean, if, if, he, if, he, if, if boxing skill really means something, and it, you know, I don't know, in the heavyweight division, what do you want more? you want power or do you want boxing skill? But if boxing skill really means something, he's got a, a huge advantage over everybody, including Ruiz, who can box his ass off too, except that, you know, Ruiz is what, 6'3", 6'2", whatever he is, and, and he's not a long-armed heavyweight? You're talking about a guy who's 6'9", who has the longest reach in the division. And now, am I correct? I think 85 inches, that's, that's the longest reach of anyone out there, maybe ever. 
It's it's he's certainly a, a a tough puzzle there. Tyson Fury and he fights this weekend on ESPN Plus. The first fight, Tyson Fury on ESPN Plus. Mark Kriegel will be part of the telecast. Also look for his three part series on SportsCenter. Always a pleasure talking boxing with you, Mark. I look forward to checking that out on SportsCenter, and of course uh, seeing you on ESPN Plus on this telecast. Thank you, Dan. We are entering boxing's busiest season. It's the summertime and the fall as the second half of 2019 uh, starts off. And we're going to start off, or in case you missed it, with some heavyweight news and rumors. Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz rematches down to two locations with two dates. It was over at the Garden this past week uh, for the Triple G Rolls fight. Heard some rumblings now. Now, it's no uh, secret that the rematch is going to go down. And in the uh, contract, it calls for Anthony Joshua to pick and choose where he wants uh, this fight to be. You know, the common uh, thought here is that it would be over in the U.K. where Anthony Joshua has fought all of his previous fights. If it's going to be in the U.K., look for it to land November 16th, which is a Saturday, in Cardiff, Wales. That would be the fight that I think that Matchroom wants. To, you know, it's the safest route. But Anthony Joshua has shown that he doesn't want to take the safe route. If the fight ends up in New York, Andy Ruiz and Anthony Joshua, they are throwing around a date that's a little unconventional in the boxing world. Friday, Black Friday. November 29th at Madison Square Garden, Andy Ruiz, Anthony Joshua rematch. Imagine that. You know, this is uh, Anthony Joshua who has spent a lot of time in New York after the loss. If you follow him on social media, you can see him uh, riding a city bike uh, throughout the streets. He, he went down to the West Forth basketball playground and was uh, playing with some kids, and uh, they were ripping him for, for losing to Andy Ruiz. Listen, if he didn't like New York... He would have been on the first flight out of here after that loss. The fact that he's sticking around and taking it all in and uh, doing so with a smile on his face, which uh, there's another controversial thing. Some people don't like the way that he's handled this loss. I think uh, it's been great. But look for this this fight right here, this rematch, to be in two different locations. Well, not at the same time, but it could potentially be in Wales or potentially be back uh, in New York City. I know that the zone desperately wants this fight in a U.S. market. You know, I talked to John Skipper. John Skipper is all in subscription mode now. He wants Triple G uh, Canelo 3. He wants the biggest fight on their platform, which is Andy Ruiz and Anthony Joshua, to be at 11 o'clock, not 5.30 uh, in the UK. Um, so look for this uh, rematch to potentially be back at the Garden on Black Friday, which would be amazing. Uh, in case you missed it and you were lamenting about all the fights that are not being made here in 2019, the Joshua Wilders of the world, the Errol Spence versus Terrence Crawford, the second half of 2019 is shaping up very nicely. I put this tweet together yesterday, uh, and uh, just kind of when you put it on paper and you take a look at all the fights that could potentially happen here in 2019, a lot of these fights are signed. A lot of these fights are, are rumored and in negotiations. Uh, so you take a look at this, obviously, Joshua Ruiz 2, that's going to be in November. Wilder Ortiz 2, that's going to be sometime in, in the fall. You got Triple G, uh, uh, Canelo 3, which uh, you talk to some people in the industry, seems like a formality uh, for September. Obviously, Pacquiao Thurman has been signed to go down the list. Spence Porter, I don't know exactly what's going up with Spence Porter. It was originally scheduled to be August 3rd. That did not happen as Adam Konaki is going to be facing Chris Ariola at the Barclays Center. I expect uh, Spence Porter to happen in the second half of 2019, maybe in the fall, maybe in November. That will be a, a Fox pay-per-view. You got uh, Lomachenko going up against Campbell, which is you know, for, for a unification in that division. The fight this year, Danny Garcia and Mikey Garcia, that one is the, the loosest of all these fights. I mean, that one was, was a rumor, but I know that Mikey Garcia wants to fight, and Fox certainly wants to make it. Then we got a lot of rematches here. You know, you got Julian Williams, 
and Jarrett Hurd, their rematch, that's going to be fireworks. Of course it is, because the first one was uh, fight of the year right now, at least if you if you think that Reese Joshua maybe uh, was the fight of the year. You got Harrison going up against Charlo. That's a rematch. That was supposed to happen June 23rd. Unfortunately, Harrison uh, suffered that ankle injury. It looks like he'll be ready to go uh, in December. You got Inoue versus Donaire. Come on, that's fireworks right there. Regis Progre and then Taylor going at it for 140-pound supremacy. Then you got Jose Ramirez and Maurice Hooker, who were in uh, New York City this past weekend. They did something very cool there in New York City, over right across the street from the garden at Brother Jimmy's. They did an open bar from 5 to 6, where you got to meet uh, Hooker and Ramirez, got to hang out with them, have some drinks. Eddie Hearn was out on the street. So I'm right on the corner as I got out of my Uber. It was his 40th birthday. He had a Corona in hand. He was enjoying it. He was having fun. But the heavyweight division also kicks up. With uh, uh, Usyk, he's back in the heavyweight debut. I think it's going to be against Carlos Takam. And then, can't forget about August 3rd, Konaki and Areola. That, I mean, gonna, gonna be, as long as that lasts, that's going to be uh, some big-time, big-time fireworks. Konaki throws a lot of punches. But I wanted to put this in, in order here. I wanted to get this on paper. Now, you know, maybe a lot of these fights don't happen, but we know that a lot of them will. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the second half of uh, 2019 moving forward here in case you missed it this actually just came through the wire uh, today as we record this on on monday morning the athletic has started a boxing vertical there were some rumors uh, circulating for a little bit about where you know guys like coppinger uh you know where, where he was gonna go but it seems like they have their trio set it's mike coppinger it's lance pugmire and rafe bartholomew what a trio right there uh three guests of the show three friends of the show here on inside boxing live lance pugmire leaves the L.A. Times, where he was an integral part of their boxing coverage. The L.A. Times was one of the only newspapers in America that had a consistent boxing coverage, and I know that Lance was a driving force behind that, so it was probably a tough decision uh, for him to leave. It's been there forever. Uh, but he goes on to a national outlet here with the vertical. Um, Rafe Bartholomew, if you haven't followed his newsletter, I think he's going to try to bring it uh, to The Athletic. He does a, a great show with Brian Campbell over there at, at CBS. He's a great writer, and, of course, Mike Coppinger, Sources. He's one of the uh, the best boxing journalists in the game right now, breaking news and uh, and doing so. So it's great to see. I mean, you got to pay two ninety nine a month, but come on, that's well worth it if you're a huge boxing fan, huge sports fan. The Athletic has certainly been making strides in all sports, and it's great to see them add boxing uh, to their arsenal. So shout out to the Athletic for doing the right thing and adding this wonderful sport uh, to their uh, to their game. Finally. Lastly, Adonis Stevenson. we got some great news from Adonis Stevenson. Speaks for the first time. He makes his first public appearance. He says he's back. Uh, you know, He said it was a really long road from that brain uh, injury that he suffered back in uh, early December to Gavzadzic. And uh, he said he had to learn how to walk again. He had to learn how to eat again. But he was very clear that he is back. Not as a fighter, though. I mean, you know, that's not going to be the case. Wants to be a trainer. I think this is a great thing. We can see Adonis Stevenson, you know, start the next chapter of his, his professional life as a trainer. You know, maybe he, he starts to find some talent there in, in Montreal and in Canada, and he, uh, you know, gets things going for him. That's absolutely great news to hear Adonis Stevenson back up and talking and back in everyday life. Unfortunately, there was some other news that, you know, under the same umbrella of fighters getting injured, especially with brain injuries. It's something that doesn't get enough coverage in the world of boxing. We, we love the sport of boxing, but you know it's some, this is like the harsh reality of the sport, the side that you don't want to really talk about, but you have to acknowledge. Zab Judah over the weekend fought Cletus Seldon 
That was on Friday night at Turning Stone, 41 years old. Zab Judah, you know, there was a lot of questions about why he wants to take this fight. But as we know in boxing, sometimes these fighters are their own worst enemy. Sometimes these fighters don't know when to hang them up. He suffers a very small uh, brain bleed. And uh, there were some, you know, conflicting reports that, you know, he's fighting for his life. There was conflicting reports that he was in a coma. But everything that I've read today is that he's up. He's responsive. You know, he's got his kids with him. He posted a picture on social media uh, to show that he was fine. I mean, this is, I mean, it's, it's getting ridiculous now. I mean, 41 years old, I understand he's got to make a living and he doesn't want to, doesn't want to uh, maybe step away. But, you know, it's getting to the point where we got to do something about this and, and step in there. But also, over the weekend in, in Mexico, Felipe Arcuda suffered a near-fatal brain injury uh, in a 10-round fight in Mexico. He's in an induced coma fighting for his life. It, it's just stuff that has to be talked about, and it's the non-glamorous side of boxing. And, and Daniel Twitch, Franco, who uh, obviously suffered his brain injury uh, about two years ago fighting on a, on a Rock Nation card, he has now sued Rock Nation. He has all his paperwork signed, all his ducks in a row, because he was talking about how Rock Nation did not do the right thing. It did not support him, wouldn't even share the GoFundMe page for him. He is taking litigation with them, so hopefully uh, he uh, gets his just due because uh, these, this is part of boxing. Listen, you want to step in that ring, there's going to be some repercussions. So props to Donna Stevenson and, and Zab Judah who are on the mend. Uh, the same for Daniel Franco. This has been this week's In Case You Missed It. He resides in England, but he's making his presence felt here in the U.S. One of the most polarizing figures in the world of boxing today, both at the fights and on social media, is Mr. Eddie Hearn, the perfect figure for our latest installment of Boxing Mean Tweets. Walking around the city of London, thought I saw Eddie Hearn, then realized after two minutes here that every third bloke looks and dresses just like him. Fair comment. I have to say, like we all look, I've got loafers, no socks on. This is a London thing. That is the look. It is. Eddie Hearn loves a turtleneck, the big jam tart. This is true as well. Uh, I do love a turtleneck. Am I a big jam tart? Probably. Yeah, no, I respect that as well. Lovely turtleneck there, Eddie Hearn. In no way does he look like a used car salesman. I am a used car salesman. I say that a lot because that's what I do. I sell things, you know? So I'm just like a used... Doesn't matter whether I'm selling photocopiers or used cars, I am a used car salesman. Do people really listen to this guy, Eddie Hearn, as if he's an authority on boxing? He's a spoiled rich kid. It's true as well. I am a spoiled rich kid. I was growing up around a huge amount of money. Sorry about that. Wasn't a lot I could do about it. But I do work hard um, and I am an authority. So, yes, Gaz, thank you very much. Eddie Hearn is that kid at school who had rich parents and had all the girlfriends despite being born with a d*** on his head. They got the first bit right. You know, I didn't actually have a penis on my head, but I did have rich parents and I did have all the girls at school. Yeah, that's right. Auntie Joshua will never fight Wilder because he will get KO'd and they don't want to kill the Golden Goose. Eddie Hearn knows what he's doing. I can't tell you how wrong you are. I want to gamble, and it is a gamble. People say, if Wilder loses, is it bad for the PBC? Fucking terrible. If, if Joshua loses, is it bad for Matrim? Fucking terrible. That's exciting. Let's gamble. Sometimes I get so close to thinking Eddie Hearn is a good bloke, just trying to do the right by boxers and not a dickhead chatting looking after number one. It can change daily. I think that's right. I think there's a real love-hate relationship with me. One day you might go, do you know what, I like Eddie Hearn, then another day you might think, I can't stand that fat That's it. That is a wrap for another edition of Inside Boxing Live. A special thanks to our guest, 
Mark Kriegel and Mr. Eddie Hearn for being a good sport and reading some of those mean tweets. Don't forget, this Saturday on ESPN Plus, Tyson Fury steps in the ring once again. Will Tom Schwartz pull off an Andy Ruiz? You'll have to find out. Thanks for watching. See you next time.